Yeah. This episode of the Fusion Underground podcast is brought to you by absolutely nothing. Emperor, we come for you. You know, one of these days we are really going to have to record, start, hit the record button sooner rather than later so that people can oh hear all of the idiocy that happens before we actually hit the record button. Well, I can tell you at least a good 80% of it is me just laughing at you trying to get ready. Yeah. 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 Pretty much every single time. <laughs> and then laughing at me during the oh, intro because I can't see you. I can't, I can't help it. <laughs> oh my god! Oh. Well, my all-time favorite pastime is laughing at you, brother. I don't know. I know. I know. And that's okay. That's yeah. good. That's a good thing. That's but good. here we are. We're back for. I'm eating chocolate because chocolate goes really good with wine. We're back for you eating chocolate. Yeah. Sorry. I my mental oh, okay. my mental train. <laughs> Like just completely derailed there for a second because I had went to chocolate. Went to chocolate. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Probably the one thing you're not supposed to do when you are recording a a podcast is eat. (laughs) Is eat. (laughs) (laughs) Right when you're trying to speak. Let alone mouth coating chocolate. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. Good lord. But here we are. We're back for uh, this is. Wow, this is season four, episode four, episode four of season four. Uh huh. But it is <laughs> number job. it is number forty two. We are quickly approaching number fifty. Number we are. Goodness gracious, that's gonna be quick. I know. So this is number episode forty two of the Fusion Underground. So here at Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio by my wonderful co-host, the lovely Jason Moret. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, brother. I'm good. <clears throat> what are we talking about today? Why don't you, why don't you tee it up? <clears throat> so, all right, I'll tee it up. We, we're going to talk a little bit about friendship, I think, mm-hmm. tonight. Um. Dr. Ramirez called me lovingly one day and we were, we were talking about something and he said, you know, dude, I don't even know why we're friends. Yeah. I don't actually, know why I, 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 I know <laughs> I've, I've noticed this with two of my, my very good friends, um, you and Paul, who, uh, was one of our guests early on mm-hmm. in our podcast endeavor. Um, he goes, cause we don't, we don't have anything in common. We don't no. like the same stuff. We don't no, do the nothing. same stuff. No. No. And I said, well, is that what you want is, you know, a yes man? Cause 
Well, I'm not a yes man to anybody, mm. but nevertheless, especially not to you. Um, but that's true. <laughs> <clears throat> All the mm-hmm. stuff I like doing, you you don't have any interest in. Not and, a one. Yeah, no. Pretty much anything outdoors. No. Nope. Which I like being outdoors. You're like, no. Yeah. Um, camping, fishing, hunting, any of that, hiking. Nope, not a chance. Um, the Wi-Fi signal out there in la la land sucks so Mm -hmm. you'll you will not find dr ramirez Mm -hmm. anywhere out there where he can't get good wi-fi signal no it's correct so (laughs) and you are definitely an introvert urbanite and i can't stand either one of those two things correct yeah so so i don't know why we're friends like i i really do not know why well and so we're going to talk so about that. Today. We're going to we're going to unpack idea. that, right? Yeah. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 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 let's so let's talk about this. So cuz I don't have any I don't have any go-to I mean, well, you know, there there are a couple of things just from uh from a stupid news perspective that we could quickly just uh comment on. We won't go into too much in depth. But a couple of things happened uh you know, we're already we're almost a week into Biden's presidency. And a couple of things happened the day of uh, the inauguration, inauguration day. So two things that I thought were were pretty, pretty big. <clears throat> and it was convenient. It was very convenient that they took place on inauguration day. So the first thing that happened was one hour after Biden was inaugurated, the WHO, the World Health Organization, they released guidelines to the world that that cycle time. Remember, we did a we did an episode where we talked about the cycle time for COVID, and the cycle time for those who are unaware is the number of cycles that have to be performed at higher resolutions to to detect COVID. The more and that's specifically in laboratory testing, it's correct. how many times that cycle. Yes. So yes. essentially, the more you cycle a sample. Every time that that hits, that's going to, you know, say that you have a higher volume load in that sample, um, to which would indicate that you are either positive or potentially contagious, depending upon how much right. it is. So with a higher cycle count, you have higher amount of positive tests and higher amount of contagion elements out there. So right, just but as the, a background. But the but the if you have a lot of the virus in your body. They don't have to cycle. They don't have to do very many cycles before they detect it. Mm-hmm. So the more that they do, the, the more that they do, the, the less virus there actually is present in your body. Now, I'm not an endocrinologist, so I'm not going to be able to explain all of that. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not trying to sound any, anywhere close to being an expert on this, but I will say that there has been some general guidelines issued and I believe it was the, the cycle time was, has been set at 50 for COVID. And most, most doctors um, have been saying the cycle time is too high. They've been acknowledging that the cycle time is too high right now. And what that means is people that are not even presenting symptoms that are asymptomatic, that uh, are not even anywhere near <clears throat> contagious, they're popping positive because they have to go through so many cycle times. So the WHO on inauguration day came out and said, you know what, that cycle time, that's, we've been using the wrong cycle time. We have to lower it. 
So mm -hmm. now they're going to, and so what happens is if, if you don't get a detection by the time they get to that, that max cycle time, they stop testing and they just consider mm -hmm. that you are, you don't have it. So rather than leaving it at 50, I think they're lowering it to 35 or 40 now, which, which is where a lot of physicians have said that it should be set because that's even where it's set for like flu. So right. what does that mean <clears throat> it, to the average listener? Well, what that means is there are going to be fewer positives for all testing because now that they can, they can stop that test, once they hit that 40 threshold, they don't have to do 41 through 50 on the, on the hope that they're going to find some kind of small, small trace elements of the virus. So now the number of uh, the, the number of positives is going to go down. Now, Dr. Ramirez, you seem to be alluding to an idea that mm -hmm. COVID exposure and the amount of COVID cases that we are going to see is going to drastically reduce mm -hmm. almost overnight almost after overnight, Inauguration yeah. Day. Yeah. That seems odd are yeah. you alluding to something there? well i'm i'm alluding to the fact that all this has been political <laughs> yeah you know, and 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 back to what we've been saying all of, you and i have been saying this there has been so much crap data mm -hmm. and you and i have said we're not saying that covid isn't dangerous to particularly certain sure. people with predispositions and different illnesses or what <clears throat> have you we acknowledge that the problem that you and I have been saying from the word go is, hey, you know what? There is so much just crazy conflicting information that for anybody to make, to truly understand what has been going on, it's extremely difficult to really assess how dangerous or not dangerous the virus may or may not be. That's why this is so frustrating is because for the past year, a lot of these things have been heavily politicized for the sake of political power or achieving different political objectives or for whatever aims, whether you want to say they're for politics or not, there, a lot of the data and the actions that we've been taking, you know, have been driven by, it doesn't really seem, it doesn't seem to be driven by uh, the science of protecting people. Correct. And if you question it, then you are actually, it's funny that you say it's not driven by science. And yet that's the battle cry, it seems sure. like, for people um, who are out there utilizing it as a weapon. And it's sure. become a weapon against the American people. Right. And that's, <clears throat> I am not saying like, and you just said it again, so I don't want to harp on it too much, but COVID exists. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. the, the actual mm -hmm. mortality rate for COVID alone, not with any other comorbidity, is still significantly less than your common flu. It still is. Even with so, all the punk data out there. Even with the bunk data, it is. So it's extremely frustrating for me as Joe Q public, average uh, American citizen, to see what we are doing to ourselves and allowing right. the government to do to us for essentially the flu. Well, and the other, the other thing that happened over just the last couple of days has been that in Chicago, uh, in Washington, D.C., I think now in New York City, uh, the cities have said, Hey, restaurants, time to open it back up. Mm -hmm. And and so yep. that has just come out over the last couple of days. You know, well, a couple of things. One, I thought this was so dangerous. And I thought just before 
just around the election time, everybody was talking about how we had a lot of, of Democrats, which lead these cities, which lead cities like Chicago and Washington, D.C. and New York City. Sure. So we had de- we had Democrats all over the country, but particularly in these cities calling for another another lockdown. And now another they're lockdown. saying right. now they're open back up. So what happened? Well, what's changed? Something really well, big has changed in the world. Something big has happened. <laughs> right. Something very big has happened. Uh, and, and there's a secondary effect to that, in my opinion. My, my, my thesis is also part of, part of the thesis or a secondary hypothesis is that, well, tax man's got to get his due and you can't collect taxes if you have a bunch of restaurants closed. So That's correct. Uh, I think a lot of cities are, try, are starting to recognize, hey, the coffers are running pretty low and uh, we need to get some of that money back. Yep. That was, um, that's been my argument from day one, um, mm-hmm. regardless of the results of the election, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, with your actual revenue stream, again, we talked about this last week, what product or service does the government produce for the American people? Nothing, zero, nada, right. zilch. Right. Their existence is to take from the American people and prop them up to make them believe that they actually serve them in order to do that. You need funds to be able to operate. Yeah. And with all of your businesses and restaurants and everything else shut down and your entire economy shut down, that might work for a while so that you can basically take away the biggest and strongest weapon that your political opponent has in the economy. But guess what? Now that that's done, you have to open it back up so that you can survive. And well, and here we are. And another thing, there just uh, I think it was today, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, the Biden administration announced that guess what? Guess what they're doing? They're actually shutting down. They're issuing a travel ban from uh, portions of Europe and South Africa. But it was the same Joe Biden who said that this was a racist thing to do and that shutting things down when Trump was trying to do it, when shutting things down, that was inhumane and immoral or whatever the the, whatever the excuse was. It was like it was just don't do it. It's not the right thing to do. But now here's Biden saying that, well, no, we're going to issue a travel ban to top it all off. Joe Biden before right before the election kept saying, you know what, his team had a plan day one to deal with covid. And just a couple of days ago, uh, the Biden administration said, uh, guess what? We don't really know what to do. Nothing is going to change over the next couple of months. Because we don't, we don't have, we're not, we don't have anything going on. There's nothing that we can actually do to change the trajectory of the spread of COVID. And I'm like, um, but you said day one, so yeah. <clears throat> uh, we're not even a week into this whole thing. And what's crazy is the Biden campaign. The 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 wheels are the well, the veil has come off, and now we're starting mm-hmm. to see what has actually been happening inside the campaign. What the lot what was what was the campaign but it is now the administration we're starting to see that yeah all these promises all of this it it, it was just words it was just fluff text there was no substance behind it whatsoever of course it was that's that's no different than the realm of politics has been for the last call it 20 years i mean right but it's now egregious it's like sections but go ahead (laughs) and and sorry um and you know what? I do believe, I absolutely believe that Joe Biden and his team had a plan to address and mitigate COVID from day one. I also don't believe for a minute that they're going to be able to come out and tell anybody that, yeah, we're going to 
work with the media and stop politicizing and stop false reporting and work with the WHO to reduce cycle counts and basically say, yeah, we're going to basically not blow that whole disease process up way beyond what it needed to be like we've been doing for the last nine months. That's been their plan. They're just going to stop. I mean, it's it, you're, you're going to see less and less headline national news in regard to COVID now than you have in the last year. Well, and it's already and it and it's already started. And so this isn't sure. this isn't necessarily something that Biden has done. Although I wouldn't be surprised if members of the administration actually, because you know, the members of the administration, you know, there are press secretaries, vice press secretaries, etc., who work with the media every day on messaging. They do work with the media on when to release certain stories if there's something that needs to be released, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right. So we know that there's a there there the media is not separated from any of anybody in politics They're, They talk to them on a daily basis, but um, since the inauguration um, MSNBC and CNN have now stopped airing their COVID death tracker and yes. all of the COVID tracking numbers, they've stopped that. And we saw this after president Bush, when president Bush left the white house and Obama took over the media ran with uh, counts of deaths in Iraq and Afghanistan of American soldiers killed. And once Obama took office, those, those numbers came off cable news. And there's something very egregious there because when the numbers come off, then, then the national sentiment changes very, very drastically because they're not constantly having those numbers in their, in their face. And by the six months into Obama's presidency, most of America had pretty much forgotten all about Iraq and Afghanistan. Most people, you know, it's not something that you hear about, uh, but we're still there. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's <laughs> still fighting that is, that takes, that takes place in Afghanistan and in Iraq, you know, they're in, in small regions. Um, but you never hear about it anymore. We stopped hearing about it as soon as, as soon as Obama took office, but now we've seen the, the, the counters, come off of CNN and MSNBC. And to me, all that shows is that MSNBC, CNN, that these media conglomerates are just, um, they're pushing a narrative. They're pushing their own sure. leftist ideology. And, they, and they're like, hey, you know what? Our, our team won. So now let's make, the, let's make our team look good. And that's exactly what's happening. And, and we knew that that was going to happen. And that's, that's not um, exclusive to any one network. It's across the board. Yeah, it's absolutely across the board. And, you know, um, I, I heard, a, I think it was, wasn't Rasmussen. It was somebody else actually put out a poll here recently. Um, might've even come out of the LA times for all I know, but um, less than 30% of the American public trust that the news media is unbiased in their right. Right. um in their presentation of information that means 70 percent of the population don't trust a damn thing that's on tv and you know the problem with that is just that because they're not honest they're not honest yeah. with their with their ideology if 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 msnb if msnbc cnn etc came out and said hey you know what we're a leftist organization we're going to mm -hmm. spread left we're going to we're going to paint our our media with a leftist brush i think people would say Cool. At least okay. you, you're being honest. At least honest they know what they get. Right. Right. But when you try to position yourself as unbiased and fair, uh, and not to steal Fox News's little uh, little ditty, but it's you know fair and balanced. But if you're trying to ultimately be fair and balanced in the in the as a news 
media organization, but you're not, then people are going to distrust you. And if they were yep. just honest with everybody and said, no, we're left-leaning, we're essentially, I've been calling them Pravda for years. If you're essentially, you know, Pravda from the old Soviet Union, well, the Pravda is still around in Russia, but if, you, if, you're, if you're basically state-run media and you're just telling this, you know, you're just telling news stories to present and prop up whatever administration you decide to align with, then at least I would say, yeah, at least, but at least you're honest. Sure. At, at least you're honest with me. And then I would trust you more. Yep. Well, and, and I don't, I think, um, I don't know whether it's a fear of losing, losing an audience or actually gaining an affinity out of the audience that you have. But I, I, I've said that from day one is just, <laughs> just at least come out and be open about it. I mean, you, you mentioned Fox, they are right leaning news organization. They want to say fair and unbalanced or fair or sorry, fair and balanced. And I can appreciate that to a point, but for the most part, they're right leaning. We all know that, but I think they're a little bit more open about that than some of the others. Um, I don't know one that really, it doesn't have some sort of bias. I mean, shoot as, uh, as open as you and I try to be, and as even as we try to be, we don't hide the fact that not. we are both conservative minded. You're because right. I mean that would have that would have come right out within our first season anyway. Sure. But we've always said we're going to look at things from a place of values and principles, not from where our political or personal leanings might be right. in that aisle. Right. And that keeps us, at least I like to hope, keeps us a little bit grounded in our discussions. And you know what? We may not always be successful in that. Right. Sure. Um, but that's why that's why we talk. That's why we put these words out into the out into the the inner, you know, the, the interweb so that right. people can tell us that we're full of crap um, and, and we can listen to, you know, people tell us that we're we're wrong and why we might be wrong. Um, but what we at least try to do on this show is at least try to say, here's what we believe, but here's why we believe that. And you and I have not called for the silencing of anybody. Not that, not that I'm aware of. Uh, I don't believe we've said, you know, these certain people on online should not have a voice, should not be in existence. We've, we've never called for that. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before somebody says that about us and we'll cross that bridge when it comes. <laughs> We, we, we got to reach a lot more people, I think, yes. before we become a target. <laughs> more than your parents. <laughs> That's fair. So, no, I and, you know, especially when it was around election time, and, and we were open about that from the get-go, you know, yeah. as, and we said, as we ramp up towards the election, our, our discussions are going to be more and more political, and... Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. no secret that we were more right-leaning individuals than some others out there in the sound of our voice. Yeah. But I'm, at least from that, you understand where we stand. Yeah. And, and even then, we never said, um, well, we are not willing to have a discussion with people on the other side of the aisle with differences of opinions or ideas. Mm -hmm. Actually, I think we've welcomed that over and above and said, please send us, send us an email saying, yeah. you know what? You guys are wrong, <laughs> and here's why. Mm-hmm. I, I would send an open invitation out there. If you think that we're wrong and here's why, let's have a discussion about it. And even if you don't want that out in the interwebs and you just want to talk with Lucy and I, and we'll set up some private time for you. Absolutely. Send us an email, contact at fusionunderground.net. The, the last thing that I wanted to mention in terms of stupid news that also happened on Inauguration Day, in the afternoon here in Arizona, the Arizona State Senate 
uh, in downtown Phoenix at the state legislature, they released a letter that said, you know, that little thing called voter fraud that the president, the last president, President Trump was pushing so hard about in our state. Um, well, yeah, it's actually true. Yep. And so now we're going to put a task force together and we're going to investigate the statewide fraud. And, you know, we have to do this because it was pretty significant. Yeah, uh, pretty so significant. We just exactly. admitted, Arizona admitted that, yeah, our election was was, was crap. Was crap, it was bogus. It was, was hijacked. totally fraudulent. And we're not we're not talking about just a handful of ballots. If there no, was just a thousands. small handful of ballots, the the state senate would not have done this. Yeah. So this is thousands of ballots. Now they've come out and said, "Yeah, our election there was a problem. There was a yeah. problem in our state election." And so we better investigate it. Now, the big question is, why well, are they going to do anything about it? What I find very interesting about all of this, I've that believed happened this after inauguration day. Well, yeah, it happened. Well, it <laughs> happened on inauguration day in the <laughs> yeah. afternoon. But what I think is funny, uh, it just came out, I think it was yesterday um, when I saw the story. But uh, for years, I've been saying that, you know what, I don't, I, I believe that mail-in ballots uh, are, are, very rife for uh, for fraud, that by having mail-in ballots, you open yourself up for the possibility that there is going to be fraud. Sure. And there are a number of ways. We, you and I have, we've discussed possible ways of there being fraud before, even on this show. Um, well, amazon.com, you know, probably arguably one of the, one of the most successful businesses, retail businesses in the history of mankind, uh, their workers want to unionize. And Je Jeff Bezos does not want that to happen. Imagine that. Imagine that. Uh, he pays his employees very well. Mm -hmm. They are, people are, are doing everything they can to get into the company. And if history tells us anything, especially in more modern day, postmodern day America, uh, unions end up killing a lot of companies that they go into. Yes. Yep. So Jeff Bezos has said, you know what? The, uh, if you're an employee at Amazon, you can actually vote on whether or not you want to unionize. So he's giving them the option of doing that. Mm -hmm. But guess what Jeff Bezos has come out and said? He said, you know what? This we can't, we're not going to do mail-in ballots for the union vote because they're problematic and they open themselves up. They open up for a lot of fraud. <laughs> so we're going to have to do that vote in person. Wow. So yeah, imagine interesting. That. That's yeah. weird. That's that's weird. pretty interesting. Very yeah, weird. Uh, that's just that's just bizarre you know for for as much as a, a support and and just disdain there was for people saying yeah. that the mail-in ballot system was uh potentially flawed you know i'm not gonna sit here and, and sugarcoat it anymore i've said the mail mail-in ballots should be completely done away with 100 and eliminated agreed eliminated there is zero reason for a mail-in ballot Anybody that I've talked to that gives me a reason for a mail-in ballot, I say that's justifiable for an absentee ballot. Yes. And there are provisions and safeguards for absentee ballots. And you there have to prove your identity when you get an absentee ballot. You have ballot. to prove your identity and you have to give a viable reason. And there's a handful of them on why you need to vote absentee versus in person. Correct. If you're Correct. fat and lazy, don't want to get off your couch on election day, that's not a reason. Right. And the way our mail-in ballot systems work across the country, every again, every state man manages them slightly different. But mo the vast majority of the states, 
you just check a box if you want to receive a mail-in ballot and they send it to you. That's, that's literally all it takes. Yep. Um, and, and so anybody can fill that ballot out uh, and, and send it back in. Anybody can sign your name on the ballot and send it in. Um, and we've, we've seen, there have been numerous stories of ballot harvesting, people getting paid to sell their ballot to another group that just, that then fills it out for them. I mean, there's just so many problems with it. It's just easier. It's easier and it's much, it's more fair to just eliminate mail-in ballots. And again, people go to, you know, when, when people are proponents of it, the average, I think the average American who says, well, I didn't have a problem. I filled it in I put it in an envelope and I stuck it in the mailbox. Sure. But this is the same reason. It's kind of the same idea why there's gates around certain communities. The gates only keep the honest people out. Mm -hmm. And mail-in ballots are good as long as honest people are voting. But let's face it, a lot of people are not honest. Sure. We've talked about this on the podcast. If nobody's looking, the percentage that somebody is going to do more bad in the world and make poorer decisions that and basically lie, cheat, and steal go up exponentially. Right. If somebody's watching you, then the, and this is why we had this conversation about God, the concepts of God and, and mm-hmm. uh, using imagery of eyes and people being watched, right? If, when people know that they're being watched, they behave. Right. When people know that they're not being watched, they misbehave. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Mail-in ballots, nobody's watching you. So there's a lot of misbehaving going on. Yep. You know, my, my son is, um, he's a year and four months now. Something like that. Pretty close. Um, even he, when he's getting ready to do something wrong, he'll, he'll turn and look, look around. Are they, are they watching me? Are they mm-hmm. looking? And so it's funny. He was sitting next to me on the couch today and I was watching TV, but I'm watching him out of the side of my eye. I'm waiting and I'm looking at him, look at me. And I'm like, and he went to go do something. And I just went, ah, ah. And he jumped because he mm-hmm. had no idea I was paying him any attention. And I said, yeah, I'm watching you mm-hmm. just because just because you don't think I'm watching you. And yeah, as long as I'm looking at him, he's fine. Not doing anything wrong. Yeah. The minute he in, he looks and I'm not paying attention, bam, it's like a switch goes off. Yeah, that doesn't go away as we get older. Yeah, we like to think it does. We like to think we get more refined and, you know, with wisdom and age yeah. and all that. No, doesn't happen cats on the other hand are just the opposite cats will do it while you're looking like one time i had my cat my cat was on my my table and there was a i don't remember what it was there was something on the table and he approached it and i knew he was going to knock it off the table and i told him i'm like don't you dare do it and i was like i use that kind of tone of voice uh-huh. and the damn cat looked, looked at me right at you and, and went, went dunk boop <laughs> like what are you gonna do <laughs> Freaking cats, man! I don't have cats. Yeah, (laughs) another dad. Another reason. What are you gonna? What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Come on, come at, come at me, bro. Yeah, right. And I'm like, yeah. I I would I would have been less shocked if you'd have told me that the cat actually waited for you to pay attention before they did it. Like, cat doesn't care that I'm there. Yeah. (laughs) But he heard, hearing my voice, he's like, oh. Oh, you don't want me don't to do want this? want me to do this? Well, watch <laughs> this. Boop. Yep. Freaking cats. I had one of those once and I'm, I'm good. I'm over that. <laughs> at least my dog, if I say no, he stops and looks at me yeah, like, oh, 
and then doesn't and then he goes does does something else you know i don't know what i was doing but i'm gonna go do something else because obviously <laughs> it was close to bed so <laughs> yeah exactly yeah all right well let's talk about let's talk about friendship okay let's, uh, let's, let's talk about friendship let's um let's switch the switch the uh the old gears here and let's talk about friendship so um you know in doing anything like this i like to have a definition of course so the definition, the definition, yeah. What? Well, I was going to say, keep in mind, we did discuss friendship in this show once before, but I think we're going to do it a little bit differently here. So <laughs> I think you talked about the, uh, the five friends every dude should have. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And we talked about some of that. So anyway, but go yeah. ahead. We're going to do a little bit differently. So we're going to talk about, you know, we're going to talk about friends, how to pick your friends, what kind of friends you should have. Well, we probably not necessarily what kind of, well, from a different take than what we had before. What we had before were like five archetypes of yes. dude friends, right? We have the we're five not, classes of friends for right. a dude adventuring party. For a dude adventuring party, right. <laughs> but this is, a, this is just really more about a discussion for anybody, for the ladies out there, for anybody, kids, etc. Obviously men. Um, we're going to talk about friendship, what, what it means to be a friend, what it means to have friends, uh, and what friendship is. So um, we use the word friends a lot, right? Because yes. on social media, for example, Facebook, Facebook everybody's friends. A friend. Right. Exactly. Right? Everybody's a everybody's a friend on Facebook. Um, but so let's let's start with the definition of the word friendship. So Google here defines it as the emotions or conduct of friends. Well, I hate when they use <laughs> words to okay. define. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't define the word with its same rock. Your, Something yeah. exhibiting rock-like qualities. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> of course, the next part is the state of being friends. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, a relationship between friends, a state of mutual trust and support between allied nations. Well, that's better. Oh, that's better. Um, that's at least a little bit better. Uh, let's see. What what does Merriam-Webster Webster say? Again, one, the state of being friends. Two, the quality or state of being friendly. Uh, three, obsolete. There you go. <laughs> so, are they saying that friendship is an obsolete and no longer relevant term? Yeah. Don't use friends anymore. So, so let's look at the word friend, since okay. friendship seems to be so difficult for it, it, places like tough. the dictionary to define. <laughs> um, let's... <laughs> <laughs> Let's look at what the, this is from Merriam Webster. Merriam Webster. God, Merriam Webster. Blah. The word friend noun 1A, one attached to another by affection or esteem, an acquaintance. 2A, one that is not hostile. 2B, one oh. that is of the same nation, party, or group, one that is not hostile. That's oh, pretty. You just have to not murder somebody and they're your right, friend. Right. Like the entire <laughs> world, like the, the world is not hostile to me for the most yeah. part. So they're all my friends. So I have all... a whole bunch of billions of friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, three, the third definition is one that favors or promotes something, such as a charity. Eh. Four is a favored companion. Huh. Okay. And then five capitalized, if it's used, if it's capitalized, a member of a Christian sect that stresses inner light, rejects sacraments and an ordained ministry and opposes war. Also called Quaker. <laughs> That's what they had. That's what it says. I didn't, I didn't throw that in there. That last part was actually... <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, okay. So next time I call, I'm going to say, hey, what's going on? Yep, that's Lucy. Quaker. My Quaker. <laughs> yeah. All right. Oh. So, okay. you know, one attached to another by affection or esteem. Well, we got to kind of dig into that because I don't think that's necessarily what we mean when we talk about friends. No, I don't think that's that's really what our common vernacular refers to in that manner. Right. So. And that's the first definition. 1A yep. is one attached to another by affection or esteem. So let's talk about that. What is what is a what does friend or slash friendship mean to you? So for me, a, a, a friend, it's someone who i i i do have an affinity for that i want close to me that i am connected to either by common bond understanding um affection is fine but more than an acquaintance and i think okay. that that especially in our common society we we have a tendency to use the term friend and acquaintance almost interchangeably um you brought up social media like facebook I think 90% of most people's quote unquote friends are probably more in the acquaintance category and, and hell there's, there's probably yeah. a handful of people out there, you know, well, I got 2000 friends. That means you don't know at least a thousand of those people at all. Right. Because somebody that I call a friend, I mean, I've got what I would consider to be a fair amount of friends, but it ain't 2000. I don't think I have 2000 acquaintances. Well, I might I live in a small town. Everybody kind of knows, but I mean, it's friends to me is our, that's your inner circle of people that you have around you or want around you. So the interesting thing about Facebook, I don't mean to go off on a tangent, but I just think this is funny. It popped in my head. I, you know, I'm on Facebook and I have a few hundred friends on there from a variety of phases in my life, you know, going back to high school, et cetera. Um, and so it's, I think it's very easy to acquire a large number of friends. <laughs> I hate you so much. You're going on and looking right now, aren't you? No, 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 I was not, no, I'm not going <laughs> okay. on. Amazing. Um, but one of the, one of the things that I noticed on Facebook is like, there are so many people that I friended over the years that I don't really have anything in common with them anymore. The vast majority, there's probably maybe less than a dozen people that I would actually want to stay in contact with mm -hmm. on Facebook. Yep. Um, maybe not that low, maybe about 20, maybe about 20 different people. Okay. But the vast majority of the friends that I have on Facebook, I don't really, if I never spoke to them again or never heard about their favorite, you know, never saw a picture of their meal when they're at, mm -hmm. you know, Outback Steakhouse, I would, would not lose sleep. Right. Um, but what, just this one thing really quick and I'll let you go. The, one of the things that I've done over the years is I've realized how many of those people either annoy me, irritate me on some level, or I just cannot stand their inane drooling on about whatever's going on in their life. So I mute them. I don't unfriend them. There's a way, there's a little thing you can go on there that says, mute this person. You're never going to hear from them again, but you'll remain friends with them. And so I've <laughs> muted so many people. And then every once in a while, like I post, I try to just post stupid stuff on Facebook just to, cause I, my goal of Facebook is like make people laugh, but do it in a, in a decent way. Right. So every once in a while, some, some person that I completely forgot all about that I realized that I'm actually friends with them on Facebook, they'll comment under there. And I'm like, Oh, I completely forgot all about you. Look I forgot you. you existed. <laughs> How about that? Cause Dang. I never see your stuff on Facebook anymore. Yeah. 
Bob is still alive. I'll uh-huh. be darn. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, and you know, there's, and that's interesting too, because let, we'll take the example. You were talking about friends from high school. Now, when I was in high school, I had different groups and I think everybody kind of did. There was a handful of groups of friends and they were friends. Now that I'm an adult, they're not friends anymore. Not really. They're acquaintances, you know, and, and some of them I even still talk to. Some of them are muted on my phone, you know, for the same reason. I, it's not that I don't, I'm not going to delete your contact or anything like that, but I don't need you blowing my phone up with random stupid stuff all the time and listening to it. So, but I think that we have in our society, especially we don't actually keep a very, very close knit group of friends and then not necessarily disassociate, but at least understand the natural distance that we have with other people that really aren't friends anymore. And so I started thinking about that going, well, what is it that actually brings people into that small knit group of close friends that we have what changes the relationship and the dynamic where you know somebody I work with and yeah we've hung out a couple times where they're no longer an acquaintance or a friend or vice versa where they that friendship has kind of dissolved into you know an acquaintance and and I let that go what what changes in that relationship to bridge that barrier or bridge the gap rather are you asking me that question or is that a rhetorical? yeah well both but please feel free to jump in at any time. <laughs> well, all right, let's put it into context. So okay. you've had um, you've had friends from high school or, or from mm-hmm. earlier parts of life that maybe were very close to you for a, you know, a year or two or, or mm-hmm. longer even. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as you grow apart by distance or occupation or whatever that is that pulls people away from proximity you've lost some of those friends. So is it just our distance and proximity? The fact that we don't see those people every day or don't make an effort to talk to them? I feel like that's a big part, but there's an underlying cause to that. And I'm not sure what that is. You know, there, there are some people that, <clears throat> that I'm friends with, for example, on Facebook, people that I went to high school with. Um, and I'm like keeping in touch with them. I don't know why, not that there's anything wrong with them. Um, but it's, it's one of those things where like, I don't see them uh, unless they post something on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Every few years we'll do sort of like a mini reunion and we'll get together for a happy hour or something. And it's good to see certain folks uh, for a few hours and then we go our separate ways. So for me, yeah, I mean, they're not, I wouldn't consider them friends. They're, they were friends at one point because we went to high school together. Right. Um, and some of those folks, some of those folks now that we're older, we were not necessarily friends in high school, but we were, but my, my high school class was so small that we knew each other. So we weren't even friends back in high school, but we're at least friendly mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. because we're older, mature that sort of thing. So when I do see those folks, I do enjoy being around them. I do like seeing them in that moment. But again, there's nothing there where I'm going out of my way to say, I want to reconnect with this person 
and really build a friendship bond between that person now that we're older. I just, we go our separate ways and we don't contact, we don't see each other again until the next happy hour is, you know, and then it's just reminiscing. Right, right. And, and I've, I've got friends in the exact same way. And I, and again, that term we call, I, they're friends of mine. We went to high school together. Um, I don't see them, but maybe once a year, sometimes it's every other year. Um, and we'll get together and we'll hang out and, and it's cool. And I enjoy the heck out of them all, but I don't talk to them for the other, you know, 360 days of the year. Yeah. And you know, it's there. I still call them my friends, even though they're not really my tight friends. Right. And there's almost like the idea that if I were to say they weren't my friends, but they're high school acquaintances, or if I classified them any other kind of way, it would be diminutive and they would be offended. And yeah. I think as a society, we've all, we've all come to that point. You know, if, if you were to tell me that, um, well, Jason, you're, you're not really my friend. We just kind of do this together. I'd be all, dude, what the heck is that? You know, right, right. <laughs> F you, man. And, yeah, right. Back at you. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be friends no more. And I'm going to leave, you know, but we've got, I think, something a little bit tighter. And I think um, everybody out there listening kind of understands what I'm getting at is you've got your friends, which includes everybody, and then your really good friends, which is a really small knit handful of people and and that handful can be five it could be a dozen but it's not the 50 some odd people that you're quote-unquote friends with how do we get from that outer ring of people to the inner circle of trust to to go back to the meet the parents you're in the circle of trust yeah what there's something psychological that happens yeah and the connection between those people, I think trust is a big part of it. Um, and that's, I think a lot of, some friendships are actually spawned out of, I don't want to call them traumatic events, but some sort of bonding event where those two or three people or however many there were had to rely on each other for something. And then now there's a deeper connection between those people that creates that friendship. Does that you know- make sense? Yeah, it does. But you know, what's interesting here is, uh, you know, I, I have, I, I don't want to say that I've done it intentionally, but it's something that I've recognized over the years is I have a very small circle of friends. When I look, when I look back where I, when I look at that circle of friendship, uh, there is one person like you and I, I don't know why we're friends. I know we, we, right. And we'll talk about that a little bit longer. Cause I yeah. want to get into that too. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know why we're friends. Uh, my buddy, Paul, I, and that's how I, that's how I call him. I call him to anybody I speak to. He is my buddy, Paul. That's a ha- like, he's got a phrase, my buddy, Paul. He's not, he's never just my friend, Paul, or just Paul. He's my buddy, Paul. I don't know what it is, but I, I, <laughs> I talk to him almost on a daily basis, uh, the same as I do you. And he and I have, we have these, these sort of, these close touch points where we have similar things that we like, but the things that, like it, when it comes to comic books, the comic books he likes, I cannot stand. Mm-hmm. And the comic books that I like, he absolutely hates. And we tell each other that all the time. I don't know how you like that drill, it's trash. We, you know, it, all the time. 
this is the guy that I met him at a Starbucks. I said, why don't you meet me at Starbucks? And he was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I'll meet you at Starbucks. We get there and I'm like, I'm ordering my coffee. I'm like, dude, do you want anything? He's like, no, I don't drink coffee. I'm like, what, what, what do you mean you don't drink coffee? Like, I don't know, like that, that doesn't even compute to me. <laughs> that, doesn't, not... that doesn't work for me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I have you and my buddy, Paul, that I have really nothing in common with, but then yet I have another really good friend of mine, my friend, Jim, and he and I have so many more things in common. What's great is he likes other things than I like and vice versa. But I would say out of all of my friends, he's probably the closest. Well, he's not the close. Yeah. Out of the ones that I are literally my friends, he is probably the closest where he and I have the most in common. We like a lot of the same stuff um, and a vast majority of stuff he and I actually connect with and we like the same. And so I'm proud to have him be part of that inner circle. But there's another, there's another individual that I've known since grade school and he and I have the same name. His name's Manuel as well. His Manuel is his middle name even, just like me. We both grew up in South Phoenix in a very economically depressed part of Phoenix. We went to the same uh, grade school together. Um, we, the, the things that, that I like unique unto me than the rest of my friends, he actually likes those same things, which is crazy to me because it's like, I'm going through life and it's like, I like these certain things a lot. Nobody else likes these things. And then He's, and then he pops out of the blue and says, oh yeah, I like this. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. You actually like that? But the, the, the thing that kills me about him is he and I are not close on a, on a regular basis. Yeah. We see each other once every 20 years, yeah. but it's like, we've never been apart when we, when we, when we catch up with one another again. Um, but I wouldn't, while I would love to put him on that inner circle of friends, he's not, he's right. not in that inner circle of friendship anymore. And I don't, I don't know why. Well, and I have a theory about that. So, okay. Before I get into that, I have to point out, you said that Paul, your mm -hmm. other very bestest friend, mm -hmm. you talk to him on a daily basis. Um, you, so, Paul and Jim, I talk to him on a okay. daily basis. So hold on with the me mm -hmm. thing. Cause I'll get, you answer the phone when Paul calls you. Paul never calls me. Are you kidding? Oh, That's, okay. So yeah. you call him every no, day. No, we, I, we never talk on the phone. Well, what the, see, now I'm confused. We chat, oh, we chat, chat online. online. Yeah. All right. Well, that doesn't count. All right. Cause I was going to say, I don't understand how I didn't get to the inner, inner circle of friends. Cause you never answer when I call you. Dude, I don't talk and to anybody don't on ever, the phone. You don't ever call me back. So I don't, I don't, I don't talk know. to anybody on the phone. So yeah. <laughs> you're in good company. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess I shouldn't feel bad. <laughs> I hate, I hate everybody equally. No, yeah, no, it's exactly. not you. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's that. <laughs> so yeah, you and I, um, I, I consider you one of my very best friends and yeah, there's a, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we don't, we don't see eye to eye on and, and we wouldn't ever do in common. But one of the things that I think actually draws us to other human beings and other people, you know, when, when you look at a, um, a husband, wife, or a boyfriend, girlfriend, that, that mate, the courting um, scenario, we aren't really usually attracted to those people that are just like us. Mm -hmm. 
And you know, we use the old cliche opposites attract, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. all the stuff about that other person. That's not you that makes it interesting. And, mm -hmm. and you want to be around and yet we accept that openly, not only as a society, just, just as a whole at face value, opposites attract, of course, you're going to be attracted to somebody who's not like you and vice versa. That's the way that goes. And yet friendship, when we talk about that, that's almost a faux pas. Yeah, it's it's taboo. You're not. Yeah. You, no, you need to be around like mind. Well, I don't think that works. I mean, you were talking about your buddy, Jim. Let's have that mm -hmm. right. Yeah. You guys are essentially the same dude. Yeah. In a lot of respects. Yeah. So you're around that guy your whole life every day. Not no offense, but that can be boring after a while. <laughs> I mean, even I, I so when I look at, at the friends that I do have, we have some things in common because you, you made me start thinking about this. We do have things in common, but it's all the things that we don't that makes conversation interesting, that makes yeah. being around each other interesting. Um, even stuff that I get to poke fun at you for or vice versa. That's what makes that relationship special about even if it is just about those two people. So it doesn't surprise me that you tell me, Jim, who you have everything in common with all the time. You don't have much to talk about because you're like, you like this? Yeah, I totally do. How about this? Yep. You got a yes man who basically likes all the same stuff you do. Don't doesn't like all the same stuff you don't. It's like, well, well, this was fun. I had a blast, but uh, there's nothing really left to talk about. I'll see you in 20 years. But well, he's the guy that I do talk to every day or just about every day. Um, you know, you know, Jim is and but he's that one guy where if there's something that I want to go do, Jim would probably want to go do it, too. Mm -hmm. where he and I, he's a much bigger audiophile than I am. He has, he knows all kinds of, like he lives his life with a soundtrack going on in his head. I wish I did that. I, I don't have a soundtrack. I I'm jealous of him in that regard because I've asked him that in the past. I'm like, dude, you listen to so much music. Like he follows, he follows music. He's a music junkie. Mm -hmm. I'm not, but he likes the same music that I do. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've asked him once before, I said, do you have a soundtrack playing in your head? Because I heard that from somewhere. Somebody's like, yeah, yeah, I have a soundtrack in my head. And I'm like, I don't. And I yeah. asked him one time, I'm like, do you have a soundtrack playing in your head? He's like, oh, yeah, I totally do. I'm like, I'm jealous of that. Like, I want to have that. And I don't have that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't like know why music. I want that. I don't, I, I don't know why. Yeah, I, I don't know. No, I, I love music. I, I do love music. But, but you I and don't, I don't like the same stuff. Well, but even still, I don't, I don't listen to music very much I, I i like it when it's on but i don't listen to it much i mean most of the time i'm listening to the radio or i'm doing or i'm just working i mean you know i got other stuff going on i yeah. actually enjoy my quiet time yeah. i would rather sit if i had two hours to do nothing i'd rather sit and watch a movie than i would sit and listen to music the music that I really get into is the old stuff, but that's because I was involved in, you know, band and orchestra and choir and, yeah. you know, um, uh, gospel and all. I mean, that I, I get all worked up listening to that kind of stuff, but that's touching on a deeper, older part of my involvement rather than just music for music's sake. Yeah. If that makes any sense. And no, I don't have a soundtrack playing in my head. And no, I'm not an action star in my own movie. But no, um, I'm not that either, but I like it. I mean, I like, it. Yeah, I, I like music, but not like but, that. But see, if there was a band coming into town that I wanted to go see for me, 
I would just have to say that, that for me, there's no other choice. It's like, Jim, do you want to go see so-and-so in concert? He'd be like, absolutely, I do. I'm like, great, let's go see, you know, let's go see that show. He's the only person that I would that I would turn to do that. And I've, well, I won't get into that. I've been, I was going to say I've been to one concert by myself before because, like I said, I have a very interesting, eclectic taste in music. And, well, anyway, I won't get into yeah. that. Okay. Um, but Jim also has the same kind of sense of humor that I do. And so there are times when we can, we can, one of us can just tell each other a, a movie quote and the other will just, we'll get it and we'll just be laughing uh -huh. because we share those same interests in film in, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but you and Paul, no, completely, <laughs> completely and, and, and totally, you know, opposite. And yet. We're good friends of yours. And yeah, you're, you're, you're good friends of mine. You know, when, and I've told you this, this isn't a surprise. In fact, I told this to another uh, friend and I'm really sad that he left. He and his wife just recently moved to Arkansas and he and I connected, reconnected after many years. We were kind of acquaintances. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. used to run in the same, in similar circles years and years ago. And then we, we, uh, we actually reconnected, um, after a, a mutual, a closer friend to him than me, but I also knew this other person passed away. And so he and I reconnected and then we started hanging out. We started going for coffee. Uh, and, and I was like, I really liked being around him. And then he left. And so now I realize now that he's moved to Arkansas with his wife, you know, they, they moved for all a variety of reasons. And it was good, good for them to move obviously. Uh, but I realize I have to stay in contact with that individual. Like I have to go out of my way to make sure that I stay in contact with him because I don't want to lose contact with him. Okay. But there are a few people that fall into that category. Cause I keep my friend's circle pretty small in that. That's an intentional thing. And I think that's, I think that kind of goes back to my whole minimalism and stoic mentality is I look at friends like I look this is going to sound bad, but I'm going to just say it for this because I need to make a point here. But I look at my friends the way that I look at the things that I choose, the objects that I choose to keep in my home, because I look at the objects as though I'm curating those things. I look, I don't just have a bunch of possessions. I curate the possessions. I, I take that approach very mean, very purposefully because everything that I own has a very specific purpose and value to me. Uh, and, and I keep, and I, I choose my circle of friends that same way as well. So I'm one that when I say there's, I have friends and then I have the air quote friends that are just more yeah. acquaintances. Right. Right. Well, and, and I think everybody out there does that. Uh, it's just a matter of how many layers of the onion there are, <laughs> I think is really kind of how we, we kind of divvy some people out towards the outer layers of our inner onion. Um, versus some of the people that probably know us really really well and and i don't know if that's you know the people that know me the best probably know how to hurt me the easiest and the deepest and and that's that's a vulnerability thing and i i don't know if that's intentional um as to why we do that but um it's something i know i've noticed um i've had very good friends hurt me extremely deeply almost as bad as if uh um, I guess, you know, you broke up with somebody, mm -hmm. you know, you broke up with a, a spouse or, or a loved one or someone like that. It's, 
it's it's very deep and it's very um very emotional and, and it causes a lot of pain and i and i think it's easy for us to make a lot of friends as a buffer for that um but so on that deeper note and i do want to actually talk about so you and i don't have a lot in common no we we have a few things in common a we few. like um we like video games um we did some role playing back in the day we still we're still nerdy enough you are much more into the comic books and things like that than i probably ever got into but i know enough about it for us to have conversation about it and argue about the finer points because i go <clears throat> yeah you're you're too much of a nerd for me for that but that's okay yeah um but there's enough there that we can we can find some common ground to have discussion but one of the other things that I started thinking about with a lot of my deeper friends is they can challenge me in some of the stuff that I say or believe or think or do. Mm -hmm. um, last season, you played uh, a quote by uh, Joe Rogan. Was, you know, your friend says something and you go, bitch, what? That's crazy. You know, and <laughs> challenge you on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of my deeper of my inner friends, they know me well enough. If I were going to say or do something stupid, would literally stop me, smack me in the face, kick me in the ass, whatever it would be, and go, Jason, what the hell are you thinking? What is wrong with you? Those people are the ones that we let in. The people that are just like us, quote unquote, that we've got everything in common, they're not going to challenge you on that. They're not going to call you out on your bullshit when you're full of it. They're not going to challenge you to grow and become better. And I think subconsciously we look for people that actually develop us as human beings. And in order to do that, we have to have that challenge. There has to be some sort of almost conflict for us to grow out of. Do you think and, everybody feels that way though? Or just uh, so people I, like you and I? No, well, I think people like you and I maybe have enough um honesty humility foresight to be able to to call it out for what it is mm -hmm. i think that there's a lot of people that do that subconsciously and they really want it even though it pisses them off hmm. does that make sense yeah but I, i'm i'm still not i'm still not entirely sold that everybody looks for that i think they should i think i think i think it's um I think it's definitely a recommendation. I'm not telling people how they should live their lives. I really don't care. Um, it's none of my business how they live their lives. But I would I would encourage anybody find friends who challenge you on a certain on a, to a certain degree, in one way or another. It doesn't have to necessarily be about life. It could be about um, your taste in music. Find somebody who's going to challenge you and offer you new things or show you open your eyes to new. Uh, opportunities or possibilities in the music world if that's something that you at least connect on right and i'm using that as an example um but uh but i don't know if everybody actually looks at friends that way and and the reason why i say that is because i've met a i've met a a great deal many people a great number of people and i've gone to various get-togethers and happy hours or parties etc and i you know, they're, they're, <clears throat> it's quite interesting. I'd see these, I see some people that are kind of interacting in their element. And I think, gosh, I don't really want to be a part of this. 
because (laughs) (laughs) because it's so either it's just completely juvenile and they don't know that they're being juvenile at least when jim and i get together and we're talking we're hat we're 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 laughing about stupid stuff we know it's dumb like we we know we're being dumb like we know that there are other people that they're being dumb and i don't think they actually know they're dumb (laughs) and and that concerns me (laughs) okay all right oh that's fair i i will i will accept that one point however Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people actually do select those friends. I don't think anybody goes looking for that. So to clarify what you were saying, do I think people sure, select sure. their inner friends based on the idea that these people are going to challenge them or they're from different viewpoints or different cultures or different that? No, I don't think they do that. I think what actually happens is that naturally, whether it's their own consciousness or not, those people are actually brought in where the others are kind of pushed out or kept at a perpetual distance. I think that does happen. And I started um, talking to a couple people just to kind of get an idea of what I was thinking was right. And what I noticed is that at least for the people I talk to all have at least one friend, sometimes two that they talk to on a regular basis, or they would consider a very close friend that think about stuff completely different from the way they do. Um, uh, uh, just that as makes an me example, happy. that makes me happy yeah, to hear that. That does. Um, my, my, my buddy, TJ, I've mentioned him a couple times and mm-hmm. I, I know you've talked to him. He's got a, a buddy of his, they were roommates, um, in Tucson when they were growing up mm-hmm. and could not be further apart on the political spectrum of things. And so they, he was telling me they're talking on the phone and they're just, bickering at each other about well yeah this but then why this but they were actually having a semi-meaningful discussion about the direction things are heading and why approach it this way and i'm like dude why are you even friends with this guy because you've talked to me about him before you have nothing in common you don't see the world in the same way the only thing that i could see actually brought you together is you shared a house and you were friends in high school and you just never never disconnected and then i was like well Maybe that's, there's something to that. And that's, I'm noticing that with more and more people I talk to, that there's at least one, if not more friends that they have who, God, if, if we weren't best friends, I'd freaking hate you, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that, that's like when I met, when I met you and when I met my friend, Neil, I told my, I told my buddy, Neil, this is the gentleman who moved to, to Arkansas yeah. just at the beginning of this year. Uh, when I, he and I were out having coffee and, and I told him, I said, Neil, can I, can I tell you something? Can I just be perfectly honest with you? And he was like, absolutely, man. He's like, yeah, be honest with you. Tell me what's up. And I said, you know, when I first met you, I didn't like you. Yeah. And he, and he was like, he was like, what? Really? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I thought you were a total douchebag. I thought you were a total <laughs> asshole. And so we well, laughed about that, you know, and I was like, I was like, but I like you now. Like I, I liked him several years back, you know, when we used to hang out, yeah, yeah. we got to a point when we used to hang out and I told him this story and I'm going to tell this story right now uh, oh. because I also know he listens to this. Hi, Neil. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I know he listens to the show. Um, but uh, so years ago, and, and this is when I actually started to like him. This was, but this was a long time ago. Okay. Um he, you know, he and these other guys that he would run, he used to run around with who I do like, but I've never been, I've never been close friends with them. 
uh, I would consider them loose friends, etc. They called me up and they said, Hey man, do you want to, you want to hang out? And I was like, yeah, why do you guys want to hang out with me? Like uh, we, we don't have anything in common, but, but they picked me for some strange reason. I don't know why. Maybe they were trying to do charity or something. And, and so we went to a bar. We were, we were at this bar, we we're hanging out. And, and at the time I used to only drink these, you know, the, uh, these foofy beers, they were like IPAs or, you know, micro brewed beers and all this kind of uh -huh, stuff. Uh -huh. And they were like, no, dude, you can't drink that crap. One, it's expensive. Two, it's going to get you drunk too quick. You drink the light beer, get a Bud Light or Coors Light, because then you can drink a big gigantic one. And you can be drinking all day. <laughs> I was like, really? Okay, well, yeah. give me a Bud Light then. And so, yeah, so they, they turned me on. So we're in the bar. We're hanging out. We're talking about all this kind of crazy, stupid crap. And Neil turns to us and says, hey, do you guys want to get into a fight? And I'm like, what? What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no, I don't want to get into a fight. And then they're like, yeah, hey, Manuel, uh, will you back us up? If we get into a fight, are you going to be there? Are you going to have her back? I'm like, what are you what? guys smoking? <laughs> no, I don't want to get into a fight. Needless to say, we did not get into a fight. But it was like a crazy, like, I remember that because it was such a crazy, and that was that was so typically Neil at that point. I'm sure he's completely changed. I know his wife listens to this show. He's not yeah. like that now. Yeah, no, no, sorry. Yeah, time out. Neil's wife, that is not the guy. That, that, every dude has had stupid stuff in their early history. Just pretend that, I mean, that was just dumb moment. It's right. not your husband moving on. When we go to the, when we would go to the coffee shop, the last thing Neil would say is, hey man, you want to get into a fight at the coffee shop? <laughs> well, it didn't happen. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I would be lying if I said that I'd never done that, uh -huh. but I, I have actually, I remember, I remember going out, we used to play um, pool on Monday nights. Don't ask me why there was some, some special at pool. And um, there was four or five of us there. We we're hanging out, shooting pool and just having a good time. I was like, Hey, you guys want to get into a fight? We can do it tonight. I think these guys are ready. Let's do it. They're like, ah, Jason, no. And I'm like, no, I'm serious. If I get into a fight, you gonna back me up? Yeah. And it, dude, it was total. You had, there was a couple of them like, yeah, I got you. And then the other, my good buddies, um, that they don't listen to the show, so I'm not worried. Kevin and Adam are like, no, you don't get into a fight. If you're getting in a fight with anybody, it's gonna be with me. I'm gonna pull you out and kick your ass. I'm like, well, you guys are no fun. I don't want to do yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I have another but, story about Neil just to embarrass him because uh, one of the things that I talked to him about, I asked him, I said, Hey, do you remember what your stripper name was? And he was looked, I remember he looked at me. He was like, what? My stripper name? What the hell are you talking about? I'm like, dude, we pick stripper names. Don't you remember? And he was like, no, I don't, I don't freaking remember what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> He's like, I have no idea. One night he and he and myself and the other guys that he used to run around with, we like I said, they for some reason they wanted to hang out with me too, which is beyond me. But we went to a strip club, and we were at a strip uh -huh. club, and our friend Mikey turned to me and he said, "Hey, let's let's pick stripper names, you know, because when you're the strippers all have their own unique kind of weird names, right? They're like Candy, Brandy, you know, Corvette, whatever the you know Porsche, etc. Right? They have these cool, and so we were like, you know, we're drinking beers, and I was like, okay, well, what? And I was like. Uh, stripper name okay so mikey so what's your stripper name he's like i'm gonna be constantine <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I said, okay, if you, so I'm like, oh, so we're going for world rulers. I said, I like it. I want to be Ramses. So I became Ramses. He was Constantine. And I don't remember what Neil's stripper name was. And I really, really want to, because I feel like that's his true name. I mean, <laughs> now you're, you're looking at me like, what the hell? Oh. See, I don't know why we're friends. I have no idea. You know? <laughs> oh, okay. Um, we weren't actually so strippers. I just by the shared. Way. Yes. I remember having the, you guys want to, no, 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 no. Don't add. Just stop. Um, <laughs> you, I've been there where I said, you guys want to get into a fight. I can mm -hmm. tell you with 100% certainty. You never had a in, stripper name? In no group of friends of mine have I ever sat around with my buddies and said, yo, dude, if you were a stripper, what would your name be? Dude, you have to admit, Constantine's or a pretty get strong excited name. about the fact that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wish you could All see right, Jason's so... face. <laughs> See, um, I don't know why yeah, we're friends. No. I have no idea why why we're friends at so, all. So your premise now is that in order for you to have a friend in your inner circle, they must um, cohort with your idea of having a stripper name. No, I didn't say that. You said that. No. 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 <laughs> <laughs> See, this is the kind of stupid crap you do when you're out at a strip club with drinking beer and you're like, hey, I want a stripper name too. They have they get to have crazy stupid names. So we get to have crazy stupid names. Even if you would have said, How come I want a fake name or I want a strip club alias? <laughs> I'd go with that. But that is not what you said, sir. <laughs> so I'll just point that out. There is well, a I didn't I didn't come up with it. Eric, uh, Eric and Mikey came up with it. Anyway. Right. So yes. you should have been the dude in the group that goes, whoa, time out, Mike. Sorry there, Mikey. Here's the deal. You want to come up with an alias for our strip club crew? Down. We'll even call, we'll have a crew name. I'm cool with that. We're not going to have stripper names. I'm not a Chippendale. You don't want to see this and I'm not getting up there. So well, needless to say, we never, we never made any, any tips. We never made any tips. You never made any tips <laughs> yeah yeah okay look every i can hear every the pin drop across our recording for everybody <laughs> listening to this going tips that means they tried no we didn't try oh uh, yeah okay that is not what you said either <laughs> <laughs> but um no, I think, um, honestly, you know, the, we, we have all those little situations where br that brings people together and, and common, I've got a couple friends who, yeah, we, we see eye to eye on pretty much 90% of the stuff we talk about, but we're not friends. I mean, not it, really. It, I don't there, talk to them on a regular basis. So here's a question for you. Is there, is there, are there situations where you've had certain people where you've said, you know what, I'm not going to be friends with that, with that person. Well, sure. Okay, so can you extrapolate on, you don't have to necessarily go into grave detail if you don't want to, but what was it that made you consciously think, I'm not going to develop a friendship with that person? Well, so, okay, I'm, I'm thinking of a buddy of mine um, from when I grew up and, and he was brought in. So, all right, let me, let me back this up. We had, I had my group of tight-knit friends, okay? Mm -hmm. my best friend at the time was, was a big part of that, um, that group, essentially he and I almost kind of 
pulled people in and, and developed that group for what it was. All right. There was one guy who was actually um, in that group of friends and I didn't like him from the get go. I did not kind of like you were talking about with your buddy, Neil. I mean, he was just kind of a ass. Well, I, I didn't, didn't like you I, either. I didn't like you when I first met you. But that's fair, and I get that, right. and I take no offense. <laughs> Actually, I I don't I don't bother me at all. <laughs> I didn't. I did not like you at all when I you, first met you. You passed through the trial of fire, and here we are. <laughs> <laughs> but I've told you this before. I've told you yeah, this before I know. that I didn't like you. Um, but no, I didn't really care for him at at first, and just in the amount of time he was kind of with the group and, and kind of hanging out, I was like, all right. And we developed a friendship and, and became closer. Um, and actually to a point where I would consider him, would have considered him a close friend at the time. And there was a lot of stuff about the guy that just really drove me freaking nuts. Um, and it finally, as it got to a point where I started going, all right, do I really want to have this person around? So I just started to kind of weed that away and I just didn't invite him over for stuff all the time. And did, and I finally went, Oh my gosh, you know what? I don't need him. And when I moved uh, um, out of Tucson and moved up to Flagstaff, I just stopped calling him. I stopped calling him, stopped talking to him and I didn't miss him. And all of the things that I kind of, I guess you could say overlooked about, him and that when we were actually close friends those became so overwhelmingly obvious to me that i just could not stand it i'm like why i actually remember telling another buddy of mine about this i'm at a point in my life in adulthood now i'm not in high school where i have to associate with this person anymore you know i don't work with this person so i don't see them on a daily basis i don't have to be around i have the power to choose who i want in my inner circle of people mm -hmm. and I don't want him around. And oddly enough, that group of friends is pretty much still exists. And we, I even referenced them earlier. We still hang out every once in a while, very, very rarely. Cause we're kind of spread out across the country, but we come together and we meet up and those people. And that one in particular, he's not invited. Because that same stuff, everybody else couldn't stand him either. So it wasn't just me. But um, yeah, I mean, those are people that I just choose not to associate with anymore. They don't bring enough richness into my <laughs> daily life for me to justify or overlook all the stuff about them that I really can't stand. So here's here's another question. So I've done the same thing. There are people that I choose not to associate with. Um because of a variety of things, personal characteristics, uh, just the way that that they are when they're in, when they fill a room. I, I just don't want to be a part of that. Uh, it could even be uh, to the way that they they think or they think about the world, etc. And I and I say internally, I don't want to associate with that for a variety of reasons. And I'm not saying that because. I'm trying to elevate myself and say, I'm better than that individual. That has nothing to do with it. But for me with that person, I don't feel like I gain a certain value to elevate the relationship to that of a, fr uh, of a close friend status. So I just leave that relationship the way it is. And we stay at arm's length. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I think everybody does that to a certain degree. I think everybody knows that there that there are people that they've had come into that they've crossed paths with in their life in their life where there was an opportunity to be friends and then somebody you know, for whatever reason you just you just say no I'm not going to be friends with that person uh, and so I can understand that and and in fact there's a there's a, a gentleman that um, I knew back in high school I didn't like him when we were in high school because he was just a jerk. He was just a jerk in high school. And now when I see his posts on, on social media and things, there's nothing wrong with them, but I immediately go back to that place in my mind when I was in high school. And I thought he was, I had like that, that mental model of him being a jerk. I immediately go back to, Oh, this is the guy. He's the, he's the jerk because he was a jerk in high school. And I have to stop myself one because that was a long time ago when that we were in high school, we have, ch- I've changed. I'm not the same person that I was in high school. So I have to give him the benefit of the doubt and say, he's not the same person he was in high school. So I do have to catch myself because I find myself sticking him in that box of, Oh yeah, he's, the, he's a jerk. And I have to say, no, 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 no. I mean, he might be for all I know, yeah. he could very well be, I don't know, but I have to catch myself and say, no, he's not but I still don't go out of my way to try to build a relationship. And I don't think anybody should go out of their way to build a relationship, but that's the problem is, is I think as society, we're in this very um, dangerous place where there are people who feel like you have to be friends with everybody you come across. You have to bring everybody into your inner circle. And if you don't, then you're a racist, bigot, homophobe, bigot, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And, and that bothers me because I think we should all be free to to choose who we closely associate with. Sure. And and I think it's I think we need to be very cautious about who we closely associate with. And and sure, I'm not sure. saying that, you know, um, turn into an introvert and socially distance yourself from the world on actually quite the opposite. I I I believe in being friendly and courteous and respectful to everyone that you come across. 100 percent and that's how acquaintances develop and that's how acquaintances and then turn into friendships and then friends become your close friends you can't get there if you don't actually allow yourself to be open to meeting and interacting with other people but we have to also be cognizant of the fact that you know habits behaviors um things like that they're infectious And when you associate with people, whether you are conscious of it or not, you start to emulate things that that person does or what they believe or how they act. It's, and as we, as we age and, and develop, it's okay to say, you know what, um, Bill over here, he's a nice guy and I like him, but we're not going to be very close. And, and that's okay. And that does not say you have to bring everybody you meet into your inner circle of trust. Um, there's a reason for that separation and, and vice versa. You know, so I, I was talking about my, my friends from high school, I probably could very easily rekindle a friendship with one of them or many of them to a point where I'm talking to them every day and, and really have it that sense of trust and maybe even going down there or having them come up and, and really getting them involved in my life. But 
what is to be gained out of that? No, I'm not saying that you should look at your friends like, you know, a give and take. If I invest my time and energy, what am I getting back? But to a point, if that relationship is fulfilling and it grows you as an individual, then that's that's a fruitful relationship. If it's one that's that really doesn't offer that for you, then what's what's the point? Does that make sense? I mean, it's okay yeah. to keep somebody at a perpetual distance. And in in all fairness, most of them have kept me at that same spot. Not because we're not friends. It's just, you know, we, we have our place and time where we <clears throat> we can have that connection, but we don't have a need for each other on a day-to-day basis. I don't know if any of that makes it sound like, <laughs> kind of makes me sound like an ass. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> no, it makes you sound human. <laughs> no, no. It, it, it makes you sound human. You know, a couple of, several years back, there was an old friend, uh, an old acquaintance, I should say. We weren't, again, we weren't friends at the time, but an old, an old acquaintance. And he reached out to me out of the blue. And he said, Hey, do you want to get together for lunch sometime? And I was really taken aback by it. And I really felt uncomfortable. Um, and then I thought, Hmm, you know, I don't know if I really want to do this. Uh, and so what I, what I did was I was buying, I was trying to buy time and, um, something was happening at work and I used it as a leverage to not meet with him that particular day. Like, yeah, I knew it was going to take longer. I probably still could have made the lunch, et cetera, but it probably would have been really difficult had I taken the lunch anyway. And so I postponed it. Um, I don't know if he was just really onto it and, 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 and saw through it or not, or if he sent something about it, but he responded to me and he said, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to postpone this. I'm not trying to, uh, to be anything other than, you know, other than just wanting to reach out to, to you because I knew you before and, you know, I'm, I don't mean anything by this. Um, and I thought, you know what? He's right. He, 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 he didn't, he, there was nothing, there wasn't anything malicious about him just wanting to get together for lunch and have a conversation because it had been 30 years. And I thought I, I can at least give him the benefit of the doubt. And I said, you know what? You're absolutely right. I do have this thing that's going on with work. So today's bad. Um, but I, you know, I give you my word. Can we reschedule for like next week and, and whatever? And we did get together. We got together. We had, we had lunch. We caught up a little bit. Um, it was still, I was still very much on edge because I didn't know where this had come from, but we, we parted amicably. We parted friends and air quotes as acquaintances, right? Mm-hmm. Because this was from a long, long time ago. Uh, and I never really heard from him since. And you know, it, it thinking back on that, it does kind of bother me to a certain degree because one, I had to const, I had to reevaluate my own values and say, no, I, you know, he's a decent guy and I need to at least acknowledge that he is a human being and he hasn't done anything malicious. He's not asking me for any crazy, crazy things. But at the time he seemed kind of like a, to me, he seemed sort of, I don't know, shady. 
Yeah. Well, right? and I can I can see you being a little bit on edge. Here's somebody I haven't talked to in 20 years. Right. And who calls me out of the blue and says, "Hey, can you get lunch today?" And I'm like, "What? What?" Uh, yeah. So I, I can understand that at least at face value. Now, in all fairness, I'm I'm probably the guy if I especially and I know because I've done this, I'm driving through town and I call up a buddy of mine or I text a buddy of mine that I haven't seen or talked to in five years and said, yo, hey, I'm driving through such and such. Are you busy? Because I'd love to stop by and shoot the shit and catch up for a little bit. If I could easily see that person going, what the hell is up with Jason? I haven't talked to him. In, and so, yeah, when I got there and he said, yeah, sure, that's fine. Come on over. We just kind of sat there and, you know, it was idle chit chat and blah, blah, blah. We used to be really, really, really close. As time and life have happened, we've grown. I don't think we could have grown, grown any further apart than we are right now. But um, so, yeah, it was kind of awkward. It really was. And, and it was, uh, well, it was, it was a situation. I said, all right, man, it was good seeing you. I hope you're doing well. You know, thanks. Love you. Talk to you later. And I drove away and I went, well, that's probably the last time we'll talk or I'll see him because he, he seemed in, not only indifferent that I actually was there, but almost bothered that I showed up. Well, and, and there there are people that we grow out of. So absolutely. We, yeah. we do have friends from years before that we grow out of and that even even when we revisit them, you know what I think what what made it so awkward for me with this one individual was we were he and I were never friends to begin with. We we didn't have we were merely acquaintances 30 years ago at the time. <clears throat> and so for him to kind of contact me out of the blue and say, Hey, do you want to get lunch? It was like, well but who are you? Why, you know, why, why me of all people? We didn't, we didn't hang out. We had nothing in common. We never did anything together. We were never friends. Um, we knew each other, we, you know, we interacted around each other, but we were never friends. So that, so to me, that was weird. And that's kind of what put me on my defenses, I think. Sure. And I think that's, I, I think people might hear that and go, yeah, no, I kind of get it. Right. And so I tried to do the right thing and say, get, give him the benefit of the doubt and, and had lunch with him. And it was fine. Like he didn't, he he did he wasn't going through his his friend list on Facebook trying to get people to give him money. He didn't do anything like that. Right, right. Um, but there are other people that we grow out of. There are people that we were really good friends with in the past that we've we've grown along one one avenue, and they've grown along a completely different avenue. And now, as as two different people, we're in completely two different places that we can't even come together and nor is it worth trying to bring one or the other and build that bridge. It's just best to say you're on a different life path than me and that's okay. Enjoy yep. life. And you know, I'll see you when I see you. Well, and, and it's interesting, you know, small towns are a little bit different. You know, you might come across people who are still adult friends with people they went to high school with, but I th mm -hmm. think for a vast majority of people that just, that doesn't exist. It, it's pretty rare you know, for you to have lifelong, you know, 20, 30 year friends that you went to school with and grew up with. I mean, it just, it doesn't happen like that. And I mean, part of that is almost sad. You know, I, I, I remember hearing stories from, you know, whether it's my parents or even grandparents about their lifelong friends that they went to grade school with, and, you know, they were a part of their lives forever. 
but you know, in our, our society and our way of life now, I think, I, I think you're right. I think it's, it's okay to understand and accept that you have friends throughout your life that you, you grow out of and, and you go different ways. And on the flip side, I think it's, it's really neat to see friendships form and sometimes very, very, very deep friendships form um, between people who really throughout any kind of mutual work or any other thing would have no reason to be friends. People that you would have otherwise kept at a perpetual distance um, who actually become very deep friends. I mean, like you and I. Even though the, even, even with the distance that you and I have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so how do you go about, is there, is there a way when you meet somebody new, somebody new come crosses your path and there's a possibility that you could develop a friendship? Can, are there specific things that you do that you go, that goes through your mind about an individual that, because we all pass people, we'll all discriminate. And this is one of the things that I try to, I try to teach people that I coach is we all discriminate every single day. Discrimination in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. How we apply that discrimination can be a bad thing, but we all discriminate. So there are people that I meet every day that I say, I don't want to bring them into my inner circle. I'm still going to be cordial. I'm still going to be friendly to them, but I'm not going to tell them about my darkest innermost secrets. Sure. And that's okay. Right. So I'm discriminating against that person by saying, I don't want to be a close friend, but I'm willing to be an acquaintance with you. I do that every day with people I work with. Right. Well, and, and I had this conversation in a similar light about, uh, what was the term uh, profiling? You know, there, there was a, a lot of hype about, uh, profiling, in, um, recently in the, in the news. And, and I say recently within the last five to 10 years, actually, I was talking with a coworker about this with, uh, in regards to Sheriff Joe, if anybody out there listening is familiar with who Sheriff Joe is for Phoenix, but so he got, there was a lot of heat around profiling for him. And I said, okay, so let's take common day. We as human beings, as, as creatures of nature, we profile all the time. We profile constantly and habitually and instinctually. That's not necessarily wrong. How we apply and what we do with that information can be. It doesn't always have to be. And I use the example, if, if, you are, if you're walking down the street at night, and you have two ways to go home and let's say you're going and i and i was using a college campus actually as an example because um i I just try to give a an idea so let's pretend you're going from the library to the dorm and the long way is well lit it's night but there's lights the whole way or you can take the shortcut through the dark alley which way are you going to go not through the dark well, alley, that's for sure. Most of the time, you won't go through the dark alley. Now, let's change it, and we'll add a couple things. If you are walking and it's equally lit, but you go down path A, and there are two people, and they're both wearing, let's say, business attire, and or you go down Avenue B, and they have baggy pants on, bandanas on their head, somebody's wearing sunglasses at night, 
are you going to go down that way? We profile naturally. We do that with people we interact in. So if I meet somebody, let's say at work or out in the street or whoever, and, and we start talking and I get that vibe that I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to move on. Well, thank you very much. And we move along. Or if we actually start having a conversation, oh, this person actually, I see, you know, we're getting along, we're having decent conversation. That conversation may go on for a little bit longer. So that I think happens instinctually. And everybody does that. Now, going from that point to actually making the conscious choice to re-engage with that person later on, that's where we all do that individually. And I think that's kind of what you're more talking about. How do we select those people? What do we look for? One, is that person going to put you at ease in the conversation? I think that's key. Because if you have somebody who, when you talk to them, they seem um, overly hostile or too excitable, unless you're a confrontational person, that probably is going to push you away. So, you know, is this person approachable? Or is this somebody who um, I can have an open and honest conversation with? I know for me, I'm overwhelmingly honest, whether you like it or not, with everybody. So if somebody I feel I can easily say, well, they're not comfortable with talking to me because I'm too brutally honest for them. Well, that's probably not going to be somebody who makes it to the inner circle of friendship for me. You know, when you were talking, it reminded me of this story from uh, from several years ago, and I just looked it up and I found it again. So back in 2016, this young man, uh, he's black. He did this experiment. He just did it with himself. It's, But it was a kind of a more along the lines of a social experiment. And what he decided to do is he dressed up for one week and he dressed down for a different week. And he admitted that he likes to dress down and by dressing down, meaning wearing like sweatpants with a hoodie and just really comfortable, almost like slipper type shoes and stuff like that. And then when he dressed up, he wore slacks and a tie and a nice shirt and everything. And then he, he wrote about, he, he journaled his experiences every single day. And this is a, this is a young man at the time. He had to take public transportation for to get to and from work around the city that he lived in. So the city that he lived in, uh, public transportation is, is central to moving around the city. And he noticed that people treated him more positively when he dressed up. People were forthcoming with uh, things like good morning, you know, how can I help you going above and beyond when he would go to a restaurant, he was actually given more opportunity or I don't want to say more opportunities, but the, the serving staff, you know, waited on him in more greater detail than when he would show up with a very, you know, dressing down. And these are in fact, the same people treated him differently based on how he would dress. And one of the conclusions that he came to, or at least that he felt, now granted, this is just a, an isolated situation, but one of the conclusions that he felt was, hey, you know what? People aren't really racists because they, you know, he's talking about this from the perspective of a black man. He's like, I wasn't really treated poor. He said, I was treated poorly when I dressed down, but when I dressed up, people didn't treat me poorly. People treated me great. People treated me with, with respect. They went out of their way to be nicer to me. They smiled at me. They greeted me. They wished me a good day and things like that. They didn't do that when I dressed down and I looked like 
I was from the ghetto. He admitted this. And yet we live in a society that says, well, we're all a bunch of racists right. because we have a group of people that say you have to treat everybody like they're like, as if this gentleman had dressed up, was wearing a tie and all this kind of stuff. You have to treat everybody that way, but we don't do that because well, we're not wired that way. The, the funny part is even before you, you, you hit the big quote unquote reveal on this study's findings, 90% of the people out there and at least 90% of the people listening to this, they already know what the answer is. They already mm -hmm. know what the results of that is going to be. We know that instinctually. And yet at least 40% of the people out there believe that profiling is wrong. Um, any of that kind of outward appearance doesn't matter. All of that kind of stuff. You still want to spew that out, even knowing instinctually that yes, it does. You know, um, one of our, our brothers and you know him very well, Cal used to say, I always wear a, a shirt and tie when I go out because well, men who wear a shirt and tie act better. So it's, it's not even an outward appearance thing. It's an inward one as well. Yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm less likely to act like a jackass if I'm dressed nicely. Yeah, that's and true. It's absolutely true. Yeah. And Jordan Peterson talks about this in his book, 12 Rules for Life. Uh, he doesn't talk about the dressing per se, but he does talk about walk standing with your shoulders back. He said, when you, when you walk, try standing more upright with your shoulders back a little bit more and walk like you have purpose and you will feel better about yourself. And I was, when I was reading his book, I was like, really, is that a thing? And so I tried it and it, it does when you, when you stand up more straight and you were walking and you, you, you're walking with a sense of purpose and a sense of, of at least personal pride in yourself, you carry yourself differently. You think a little bit differently and people treat you a little bit differently a little bit more in a more positive light. I don't think we live in a country that's full of racists. I think we live in a I think we live in a country where people treat you the way they think you want to be treated or if nothing else there's something deep within our animal brains, right? Because we have to be really quick to decide who we're going to interact with. You're talking about you know thousands thousands of years of 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 evolution, hundreds of thousands of years of evolution where we have to quickly categorize things to determine is it friend or is it friendly or foe. Um, and, and are we going to, are we going to associate or not? Um, and, and so how we dress kind of ties into that thing in our, in our minds. Uh, and, and friendships do the same thing. There are things that people do that, that just click that thing deep within our brains that say, no, I don't want to be around this person. This person is bad for me. Mm -hmm. Yes. This person is bad for me. So I'm not going to associate and that's okay. We have to acknowledge that that's okay. Sure. And I'm not telling people to be so discerning in who you inter interact with that you basically become an island unto yourself. Um, it's okay to keep some people at a perpetual distance, knowing that they have a higher percentage chance of causing you personal harm. There's nothing wrong with that. But if I would also caution people not to try and select quote unquote friends who think, act and believe just like you do, because what you, you end up become just a bunch of talking heads amongst yourself and you end up going nowhere in your own personal life. Um, I feel very blessed and fortunate. I've got a lot of very close friends who some of them are, I mean, almost dichotomous opposite of me. 
And I'm not saying to everybody go out there and try and seek that person out either, but look for things that actually help you develop as an individual and as a person. And you might be surprised at who you can, who you learn to associate with. So how, how should one go about picking their, their friends? Because, you know, in my, my, pers- my, my opinion is this, you have to understand what it is that you value and you have to pass people through that lens of what you value to determine, are they going to provide value in your life? And can I provide value for them in their life? Right. Because friendship's a two way street. I don't want to make it sound like I'm only looking for people that benefit me. Uh, but I have to be willing to benefit them as well. And there are some relationships that are so lopsided. They're just one-sided. It's like this person just wants everything from me and they're like an emotional vampire. And that's not a good person to, to be around. If, if they're not willing to reciprocate in the friendship, well, then why are you hanging around them? It's right. not that they're, it's not that they're inherently bad people. Everybody, everybody's going to be different. There's going to be different contexts. But I think we have to, what we do is we do very, what we do very quickly in our minds is we, we ascertain, is this somebody that I want to bring into my life because they can provide value to me at the same time? Am I willing to reciprocate and provide them value? Because sometimes it might be too much because the person just wants too much from me and I'm not in a position to be that for them. And so I have to back out. So how do we go about picking friends? Well, so th- there's, there's a lot there. The, the, one of the really cool things about friendships, I, I believe, is all, everything that you just said is, is 100% valid and important. However, I believe that at least 90% of all of that stuff happens 100% subconsciously for us. Most of the time when we have that, that first interaction and that actual connection gets it we there's some sort of semblance based on what we believe intrinsically to be our values and principles whether we've taken the time to identify those out or not but there's some connection where we have a common ground and a safe ground to start that relationship building from as that relationship starts to develop through the natural course of interaction and mutual situation those differences and those similarities become a little bit more apparent and, and not so glaringly. So, but just little specks of light, almost like flashing, like twinkle lights going off. Okay. They see this, we see this different. We see this the same, you know what I mean? And we just kind of start registering that when that, that there's a point where you guys have spent time enough together to recognize whether that person brings you joy And I'm not talking about just being happy and having a good time. I'm talking about joy as in fulfillment, internal fulfillment that you can actually draw from. You know what? I I'm gaining a lot out of this as an individual. And so are they, because we continue to do this. And that's where some of those, I guess, decisions are made, whether we want to continually perpetuate that or choose to, um, sever that close connection or at least distance ourselves at that point. So for all of our listeners out there, we're talking about trying to be a, a little bit more critical thinking 
really actually recognizing that those are the kind of things important in that kind of a relationship, I think will help better guide us as individuals to kind of be a little bit more discerning in who they are. Well, and I think a lot, I think people have already have done some of this unconsciously. I, I think people have already made, especially if you're an older list, if, if you're somebody who's over 25, <laughs> <laughs> you've, you've probably already done this where you've, you've looked at your life and you've probably already compartmentalized certain people in the, they're either uh, closer to you or not as close to you. Um, and we, a lot of times we do this simply because there's um, they've moved away. They have their own families now. That's why it becomes a little bit easier to do that when you're over 25, because people's lives tend to kind of kick off and start. And if there's somebody that you just say, well, I can't really be friends with them anymore because of whatever, it's easy. You don't have to have a conversation where it's like, I'm pushing you out of my life. I'm not saying that at all. Uh, I think life kind of does that automatically for us where we start compartmentalizing as we get older, we compartmentalize people that these are our closer friends and these are our more acquaintances. Um, But I think having a good understanding of what your own personal values are, what your own limitations are, do you, are you able to say no to people? Are you not able to say no to people? Are you able to say, you know what? I'm not going to help you move. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I love you and everything, but I'm not going to help you move. And, and if you can't be honest with somebody and because they get irritated and upset with you, uh, then you have a decision to make. So I, I think we do this automatically when we start filtering people through what our value, what we value. We might not think of a list of values and then say, does this person meet all that criteria? But we certainly kind of judge them. I I know that's going to be a negative word judgment and all this kind of stuff, but it's true. I think we do that to a certain degree and, and we, we assess whether or not this person is going to be good for us and us good for them and whether or not we want to keep them as friends. Um, but I think, I think what this warrants is a deeper discussion around how do you pick those values and how do you pick those principles? And that's something I would like to get into. Maybe next week we talk about that because we talk about values and principles a lot, but what we haven't done is say, well, how do you actually come up with your own values and principles? Um, and maybe we talk about that in, uh, next week. Well, and, and we did um, in season one, we actually did a whole episode on values and principles and, and we kind of looked at that, but, uh, and I agree with you when it comes to, to building those relationships and friendships. Um, it's, if you have a better understanding of what your values and principles are, and I guess more to that understanding why your values and principles are important to you in that way you start to have a better understanding of who you are as an individual and then are able are able to actually not only build but also appreciate the close knit friendships and relationships you do have and grow them in in more um, fulfilling ways yeah so okay well well good stuff um, i i'm probably I'm afraid of getting texts and emails from people saying, well, so am I one of those close friends of yours? (laughs) (laughs) Crap. (laughs) Um, So that, that should probably be interesting. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if I get some texts or emails from folks that that will ask me. So where do I fall in your life uh, on that whole category? Uh, I, 
we'll we'll see what happens i'll have to come back and report to you on that see, see and i'm not goes. worried because i think um i think most of the people who are in that inner circle already know it so mm. yeah mm-hmm. all right all, all right. right well well on that note um we we do have remember we can get all of our stuff off of our website at fusionunderground.net. you can send us emails contact at fusionunderground.net. Again, that's contact at fusionunderground.net. It comes right to us. We read it. We read all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely send us an email. Tell us how full of shit we are. Uh, we'd love to hear it. Uh, we're on Twitter at the FU Brothers. And, uh, and like again, again, fusionunderground.net, you'll find everything there. All of our audio podcasts, all of our video podcasts, because we do record this once. We release the audio version and we release the video version and you get both of them on the website. One's on YouTube. Others are through various, the audio versions are through various channels. So you can find all those there wherever, wherever, if you have a regular podcast app, just search for Fusion Underground. We're bound to come up and then you just select that one. Um, So do you have any parting words? Nope. I think I'm good. (laughs) All right. Well then, for Jason Moret, I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to the Fusion Underground. Thanks, everybody. Peace out. Have a good night.